This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! This is Baby, welcome to the party. Uh, I'm off the Myers in the lean. That's why I'm over retarded. That's why I'm over retarded. Baby, welcome to the party. Huh? I hit the boy up and then I go skate in a Rari. Baby, welcome to the party. Pick some of that. Give me lit. Gun on my One in the head. Uh, hello and welcome to another Touchy Gooners podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by uh, Usuals. We've got Dan and Sean. How are you doing, chaps? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not bad, thank you. Sean, I don't hear any screaming babies today. Um, well, I mean, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's quiet at the moment, but when I have to put him to bed shortly, I know it's going to be a headache. So, yeah, I'll, um, <laughs> I'll enjoy this while I can. <laughs> good luck, good luck. And uh, we've I'm extremely delighted to announce that... Um, We've got a very special guest with us today, um, someone that uh, we are big fans of on the Ask Vision podcast. Uh, we've got Clive, Clive P-A-F-C on Twitter. How are you doing, Clive? I am fine, thank you. And uh, maybe I should say hello, hello, which is my normal intro. <laughs> I should say that. So, um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you lot are going to make me do and say. Right? <laughs> well, you know, we, we can't promise anything, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, just before we start the pod, actually, um, just want to give a few shout outs uh, just to, to get things out of the way. Um, big up to all of our patrons. So um, if you haven't subscribed to our Patreon yet, then the links to that will be in the bio. 
um, you know, we produce all sorts of exclusive content on the Patreon. So um, if you want to become one of our patrons and join our live mat chats and all sorts of stuff that we do on there, then uh, feel free to do so. Um, you can join our Discord community, follow us on Twitter, and this podcast might be on YouTube, actually. So we'll see how Clive feels about being on YouTube. But um... well, I've just, just gone on the camera recently, right? So I'm getting over myself. So, so yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'm you, out there now. You can't be worse than Dan, so it's all right. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah point taken, point taken. <laughs> um, so guys, let's start then with the main talking point. I mean... We, we, we were, we were going to talk about the Sheffield United game, but I feel, it feels like so long ago now with, with what has happened over the last you know, uh, few days. So let's start with uh, the signing of Thomas Partey and um, you know, general feelings towards that because the, the transfer deadline day was a bit of a roller coaster ride in the end because um, not just transfer deadline day, but the, the days before as well where we had the whole awa, uh disappointment i would say where we all we all got kind of um we all got kind of gassed into thinking awara was going to be the one and maybe Partey wasn't really going to happen and then you know we got we got crushed a few days before was it the day before or maybe a few days before we got crushed and it was just a bit like oh, we're gonna end up with nobody we're gonna end up with no one we're gonna get uh Jorginho on a loan and some other donor on a free transfer or something like that but no uh, AFC Bell our savior came and rescued us and gave us some information on the day and it, you know it was just a transfer deadline day just turned into such a great day especially with the events that happened on Sunday as well with Man United losing 6-1 Spurs losing um uh, uh, Liverpool losing 7-2 sorry so yeah the signing of Partey was just such a such great news on deadline day I'll start with you Clive because um you're you're our special guest today so give us your thoughts on on uh the signing of Partey I know you've already given um some of your thoughts on your on, on the Arsenal Vision podcast but um yeah, yeah just just let us know uh, what you're thinking of the signing yeah I, I you know for those who listen to me for quite a while it's no surprise that um I like this type of player and I think we've we've missed this type for years really um you know I'm, I'm i'm involved in football and i i know how football works and i know how teams feel when you line up against them and i felt for years that we've been a little bit weak and a little bit slow and we're not as dominant as we could be and this is why in some of the bigger games we would get run off our feet or and so some of that was individual some of that was structural and we've seen the transition from Emery to Arteta, and we can say, okay, some of this is structural. But look at our structure now. Look at our shape now. Look at all these hybrid players. Look at the sprinters we have on the pitch now. Some of these players, I, you know, I call them the uncoachables. Some of these players, we were like, went out the door, we went to kill them, right? So now look at them. We, we're loving them again. They've been resurrected. So some of this is what, what you can coach. But every now and again, you need to get a player that makes the coach look good. Right, do you know what I mean? Rather than the coach making dead bodies look good, and I think this guy is somebody that can unlock other players by the way he plays. And we're developing a style to becoming quite clear, particularly how we build up play, how we build up from the back. And to make that work, you need to open up the art of the possible to the players that receive it at the base of our midfield. And I think when I watch this player, I th I see lots of things that could happen based on what he can do when the ball arrives at his feet. He takes the ball, he can manipulate the ball, he can drive the ball, he can hit it one touch, he can pass the ball and then follow his pass and win races to the ball. If he loses it, 
he can win the transition, create a transition by regaining it and retaining it and moving it quickly. We're a team that expands quite quickly into space, but we need an enabler to allow us to do that. And I look at this player and I'm so excited. I'm so excited based on the possibility rather than knowing what's going to happen. And I think and I'm more excited now because we're developing a way of playing that think, oh my goodness, if this guy comes in on the right CM, that's going to unlock Bellerin or Maitland-Niles, that's going to unlock Pepe, that's going to make our centre-forward move a bit quicker and earlier. And the possibilities are just like, wow. You know what I mean? But we can see him in the shirt and it could look like me, which won't be that good, right? <laughs> Until I get it. <laughs> so, so that's why we need to see him in the shirt to really judge, right, where we're going to go. So, yeah, definitely. That makes sense. It, it, oh, 100%. It definitely feels like a transformative sign. I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying in terms of the profile of player that we've been missing. But I would go back as far as, you know, we're talking about Vieira Gilberto days where we've been missing this kind of hybrid between your physical athlete and a technical footballer that just has the best of both worlds. You know, too, mu too many times over the last two decades we've had you know the, the the players are good at maybe one or the other you know and we haven't had yeah. that complete profile signing um dan what, what's your what's your thoughts on the signing and um uh what's what's your thoughts exactly on um maybe some potential criticisms around the signing as well um i think it's a it's a really interesting one right because i think in framing this uh like in framing a signing, I was just thinking, right, so if if I had £45 million to spend on a central midfielder, who would I bring in to to, to come into and, and sit in and, and be a mainstay of our midfield? And I personally can't think of many players in world football who has the profile of someone like Thomas Partey. So like for me, comparable central midfielders are like your Fabinho's potentially um, Angola Kante a few years ago before the injuries that was able to you know uh, be an all-action midfielder good at a lot of things and then I think about it you know if I was trying to buy those those two players in the prime of their life I know I think Fabinho is 26 now um, if I was to try and sign him now knowing how good he is and how how good he's been in the Premier League for Liverpool you'd be paying, you know, 70, 80 million. N'Golo Kante, I think Chelsea, Chelsea got him on the cheap um, from Leicester at 30 million. You'd be paying 70, 80 million. And I think it's interesting because Partey plays for someone like Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid. He almost goes under the radar. And I think it's, it's the type of personality that he is and the way that he's found his way um, to the top, really, that I think he's actually probably underrated in world football. Okay. If you look at, if you look at um, his profile. So like, for me, I think he didn't st he didn't come straight into that Atletico centre mid. He was like sort of played all over the place, played as a right back, as their sort of utility player, and he's only really come to the uh, come to prominence recently. So like even when we played um, Atletico, I think he played right back when their their player got sent off. Right, yep. so people so people aren't really seeing sort of what this guy can really do in this in the middle of the park especially when you've got someone like Simeone who they'll be playing bottom of the league and he'll still be playing two backs of four um mm -hmm. trying to hit him on the counter kind of thing you know Eight so it's, it's very possession against Huesca at home and stuff like that so it's, it's very it's very very difficult but for me I think like people are asking you know who would you sign if you only had 50 million would you get our would you get Partey I've always categorically been in the Partey camp just because I feel like there are different ways of creating chances, but there's very few ways of like playing central midfield 
to a very, very high level, you know that you're going to need dribblers. You know that you're going to need passers. If you get if you get both of that in one player, you need to go and get them in personally. So I'm I'm all for this side and I'm really, really excited. And obviously, you know, I've got stocks in Nicolas Pepe. Um, he's all been right. making... He's, he, <laughs> I feel like I've got, I'm going to be outnumbered on this pod because <laughs> I, have, I can't... I, I would love to tell you I'm a big Nicolas Pepe fan and um, I've kind of lost faith uh, along the way I I mean I listen to you every week and you know you 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 you're really trying to reinstall the faith into me and it works sometimes then I watch him on the pitch and I'm like oh no like let me go <laughs> let me go and listen to Clive again and get some you know positivity back in my brain but we'll, I, I'm sure we'll talk about Pepe a little bit later but let's yeah. let's try to stick on party anyway let's try to stick on party is there is there any chance that we're doing the usual Arsenal thing of because if, I feel I feel a little bit like um, because I, I think Partey is an amazing player. I think he's absolutely what we need and 45 million uh, or 50 million, whatever it was, absolute snip. Um, but is there a chance that we're doing this typical Arsenal thing of now that we've signed this player, we're kind of over overrating him a bit? And um, because I, I feel I kind of feel like if we had said, oh, it's, uh, before we were linked to him, is Thomas Partey in the top 10 midfielders in the, in the world? Uh, I don't know how many people would have said yes or no. I never really heard any people having that discussion. But now we're actually having that discussion. Clive, do you feel like we're doing that typical Arsenal thing of overrating this player or is, or is he the real deal? I agree a lot with what Dan, Dan said. I think um, the way he's used and utilised at Atletico, I actually think he's underutilised. I think he's underutilised and undervalued. I think he can do a lot of stuff and he, he does it instantly. And so I just had a scouting video on him just now, actually. And what I, what I really noticed was is the instant stuff that he does. Right. So when you look at a player, you look at a player, you look at a video, you look at the space that they have and they're doing these big switch passes. You think, yeah, that's nice. I can do that at five a side, right? So it's like when you've got loads of space, we can all do lots of things. What I look for, what, you, what they do in crowds and when they move into duels and for me, duels and transition is the game, how you create it. So there's build-up phases, but what happens is that moment of transition is the key part of the game. When you have transitions, what happens is you're now moving at disorganised defences. You're moving at people that have expanded because they've got the ball. They've expanded to make the pitch big, and then you take it from them without them expecting. And then you sprint into those spaces and try to get those numerical overloads. Right. So when you've got someone who's a transition monster, that can take the ball from you when you're comfortable and keep the ball when you're trying to get pressed, you're now creating opportunities to get into spaces where we're going to have numerical advantage. So we've seen this. We've seen this with quite limited players recently. How many full length of the pitch goals have we scored? So many. And we talk about with Rob Holding and David Louise and Kalashnik play. And this, these are people that we were thinking, oh my goodness, when... So it's possible with coaching and pattern play and timing and triggers. Now you start to add people who can solve issues. So when a bad pass comes or when a player comes into the picture that's actually quite sharp, it's put us under pressure. And then you get through that player and then we're off to the races. To my man, Nicolas Pepe, right? He's off to the races on the break, <laughs> right? And suddenly he's thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay engaged because this guy... He's going to beat his man. I'm not going to sit down here on the sideline looking at the daisies growing on the grass. I'm going to stay engaged because it's coming. It's coming. So you often hear me talk about cause and effect. When you've got a good player and he makes a move and the ball's coming to his back foot, you start your run. You commit to your run, which means you're already ahead. So what we're going to see is 
good triggers and trust. When you have midfielders that may be slightly more limited, you wait to see what they're going to do. You know, and the timing's gone. That's when we get offsides, right? I was so upset about a Liverpool game, the Monday game, because I felt we we had them, but we didn't have the ability to play the passes over the top. There was, I'm sure you guys have rewatched that game. There was opportunities to get people in, and we turned away from it because we didn't have the technical ability to make the moves, to make the passes. And it's you know when Sabias came on, we saw a difference immediately. And Sabias is no train, right? He's you know he's, he's carrying a caravan behind him, right? So he's not really quick, right? So I won't have any Sabias slander on this podcast, Trevor. <laughs> I will tell you that now, right? <laughs> but, but we but we see a, but he brings something else. He's really game. He's really you know he's he brings a lot of energy. He's a bit like um a bit like Alex Caruso in the Lakers, right? He brings a lot of game, big game moments, right? So and. And he, and he, and so, but this guy's got the he's got the wheels, he's got the engine, he's got the motorbike, right? And he and he can do it. And so, and Aston Villa showed it a few days later. Just like if you play those passes to the right people, you're in. And so I felt disappointed, and um, but also excited because you can see the next phase. You know what you need to look at when you're watching these games is okay. We're developing a style here. What do you need to add to make that work more often? Do you know what I mean? And this is where party comes into it in my mind. And that's why I'm excited based on um, what I think can happen. Right. And I'm also excited because I just feel that um, we don't realize what we've missed for many years until we see it on the pitch. And football is about balance and putting people together. And when it's right, we can all see it immediately. We can all see it when it's wrong. Sometimes we don't realise how wrong it's been until we see the the answer. You know, and I, I look forward to the day where we all sit there and think, oh my goodness, where where's this guy been all these years? You know, that's what I'm hoping is going to happen and we don't get a doubt really. That's what I'm hoping for. It's going to be a real slap back down to earth for Xhaka fanboys, I feel like. <laughs> Everyone who's been pretending Xhaka is exactly what Partey is, uh, is, is going to get a real slap that back down to reality, I feel like. Um, Shona, I, I think Zoom Gremlins kind of like uh, made your your appearance on the podcast short-lived, but um, just <laughs> just general thoughts on, on the Partey sign in itself. Yeah, I, I'm massively excited. I've, I've not been this excited um, to sign a player in years. We, we spoke about in our group chat about how um, we possibly couldn't have signed a better midfielder for our team on, on, on this market. So I don't think there was a better option. Mm-hmm. There, there, there were other options like uh, maybe a Sumario or Sangare, but they're a bit more raw. So obviously what party combines is the, is the technical aspects but with that level of athleticism that we've, that we've missed in midfield for ages, ages. Because at the moment... Um, we have some okay midfielders, but they're only good at one thing. We need midfielders who can do a multitude of things. So um, Xhaka, decent passer when he has time on the ball, but he's very static, can only play off one foot, um, lacks the ability to dribble under pressure. El Elneny is okay, continuity midfielder. Um, so Bios is probably the best option, but he's not even our player. And obviously he lacks from, a, from an athletic standpoint as well. So when you saw the links to... Um, party and Awar, it made a lot of sense because both of them are higher volume dribblers who can carry the ball. Um, it, it adds a, another layer of unpredictability to our midfield. So um, I'm really excited with Party. I don't think it's enough because, like I said, I think Awar on top of that would have made us a real, real game changer. But I think Party enough is is definitely a big dynamic change. And, and, and as um, alluding to what Clive said, you, it's a step change. You can see it in the next yeah. phase of development as well. So I would hope 
maybe either in Jan or, or next summer, we can add another creative type on top of that. Because when you think back to, we used to have the likes of Wilshire, Rizitsky, Nasri, um, all of those guys that were very, very good under pressure. And because we had those guys who were so comfortable on the ball, we were able to sustain um, attacking periods for so much longer. We haven't managed to do that under Arteta yet. And I think hopefully that that's the next phase. Um, but we, but we, need, we, we need to in, improve the technical base and um, parties are good step in that as well so it's, it's it's the right combination of athleticism and and technicality so i'm massively massively excited and it's a shame uh it's an international break so we're not going to get to watch him for a couple of weeks i know right this these international breaks are absolute killers like oh it, I, nothing jars me more than you just got your new brand new signing you have to wait bloody two weeks to see him that's an absolute joke but um the available akg 36 speaker sound system in the cadillac escalade provides 360 degree sound so you hear studio sound on the road the 2021 cadillac escalade never stop arriving the in dash oled display in the cadillac escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display so why do we give it a curve too i guess you could say we like to bend the rules the 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Just in terms of, um, uh, so, so Dan, you alluded to a point um, in your in your statement that you were talking about how uh, Partey for you was the one that we should have been signing all the time over Awa. Um, Clive and Sean, is there any? Um, was there any dispute between your in your thoughts over who we should be prioritizing as a signing? And and I think with the I guess with the allocation of funds and the lack of funds maybe we did have, maybe it, it feels a bit like we put um in the end we chose Partey over Awa. I, I don't know if you guys agree with that. Maybe the Awa deal just in general didn't look great on paper. But to me, it kind of feels like, all right, cool, we couldn't get Awa done. Let's get Partey done. Um, Clive, how do you feel about that? Do you feel we prioritised the Partey signing or do, or or do you think that there was just other reasons at play? Yeah, my feeling is, and it's just based on stuff that I've read. So, you know, some people, we read stuff and we say, well, that's what it is then because it, it mirrors your thinking, you know what I mean? But um, I think the party deal and the way it manifested itself was, I think we tried to get the price down. We tried for a while to get the price down and they wouldn't move, right? So... So then you think to yourself, okay, if we want to do that deal, we know we can do it. Because all we've got to do is just fax the La Liga and say we're going to pay the, the release calls in one lump. So we know we can do it. So we need to make sure we've done our deal with the background, with the wages, etc. And if that's done, we know it's a slam dunk because he's going to want to come. And you can tell something that's happening because Thomas Part is a very good football player. I know the world market is quite depressed at the moment, but no other team was in for him. Right? So that tells you that most people in the village of football knew that Arsenal had him wrapped up or he stays at Atletico. Simple as that. So the fact there's no other rumour of anything else happening until very late, it's a small Chelsea rumour. Yeah, they tried that, it. It scared me a bit with that one. Yeah, that was, that was two plus two <laughs> chat. That was nothing going to happen there. So, um, And so that tells you that the village of football knew this was, a, this was a done deal. So Arsenal didn't need to show the world they had 50 million euros in the sofa because right, then you can't negotiate an OR. Do you see what I mean? And so OR then doesn't happen, and people will say, well, is he going to go to Madrid next year, or are going to come back next year? We we don't really know. But you know, Leon is notoriously difficult to deal with, so it didn't happen. For me, I think Arsenal always wanted OR, 
but they just wanted to get value and they couldn't get value on, sorry, what always wanted party, they wanted to get value on Noir. They couldn't get value on Noir. So they said, you know what, this triggered a clause. Let's give our manager something nice to play with, right? So, and then that's what we did. And that to me is all right. Now, for me, behind that, this is a new way of operating. Now, the way we operated in these moments is very sort of un-Arsenal-like, you know, and it's quite interesting. We don't know all the numbers. What what the Cronkies have bought is financial opaqueness with the, the fact they've taken us into private ownership. So we don't know what's happening. We know there's been a refinancing of the Emirates loan. We know that our covenants money is there available for us. We don't know how much the club has been supported by them. But we, we get this picture shown to us of redundancies and cost cutting and everything in like that. So we take all these variables and we say, well, how can we do this? How can we pay 45 million upfront in cash in one payment? But it's happened. So what it shows us is we don't know everything. You know? And, and that's all right. So we need to absorb the footballer as, and then talk about, we were just talking. He's a good football player. Can we just talk about the footballer? And then let the people that worry about the money worry about the money. Because we don't know enough. We know we got a loss coming up, like everybody else, because we have 100 million quid a year in gate receipts and we haven't got any of that. So we've got a big loss coming up. But the financial health of Arsenal and how it's supported is no longer transparent to us because of the, the model we're now working under. So I'm prepared to look at the football player and not worry too much about that and just look at how we're operating and think, this is interesting. Where is this going? Mm. Now, where is this going? This is going to a new territory from a potential ownership support perspective. Mm. On the, on, sorry, on, that, on the financial bit as well, I always find it quite funny that, you know, you get the same rumours every single year about Arsenal having no money to spend. Mm. Um, and yet we still end up spending something, you know? So we were told, I think this season, uh, it was, we had 30, a maximum amount of 30 million pounds um, to spend, right? And then you're seeing us spend 30 million on a defender. We've pretty much made no sales. Emi Martinez went, um, I think, for, for 20, 20 million. And then we're putting in, you know, another 35 million pound bid and then another 45 million pound bid and then paying 45 million pound uh, in straight cash this year. Last yeah. year, we were told we had no money. And then you go and you spend 72 million pounds um, on, on Nicholas on Nicolas Pepe, for, for better or for worse, um, the money was spent. Um, and we've been told, you know, we're, we're, terrible set, we're terrible sellers. We know that we're terrible sellers. We don't sell any of our assets for, um, for any value whatsoever. And yet, I think if you look at it, last three, four years, we've probably got the second highest um, spend, outright spend in, in, in the league. So I, I just always find it quite funny that people continuously believe that these rumours that, you know, Arsenal don't have any money, Arsenal don't have any money, when the actual actions of the club say differently. Um, I think it's quite a smart tactic um, from Arsenal's perspective. Like, I'm not going to knock it because people do buy it hook, line and sinker every single year. Um, so I think if that is a way of ensuring you don't get swindled for prices like Man United, then by all means, carry on and do it. But, but me personally, I was always convinced that we did have money um, to spend. So like the accountant in me, um, was sort of looking at the numbers, looking at the amount of home games that we've missed. And I wasn't really seeing that massive gap that, you know, potentially others were. 
I mean, you, you talk about people falling for it. It seems a bit like a Atletico fall for it a bit because they apparently they didn't know that we were gonna <laughs> we were gonna trigger the the, the clause. Um, where do you guys f- stand on like that moral aspect? Because they seem furious. Me personally, I'm here for it. Like I, I actually don't I don't mind. Um, the only possible issue I would have is maybe if we wanted to go and sign Joe Felix, maybe down the line. You know, if we if we we got a few bit. We got a bit of cash for that then maybe you know that might scupper a, a deal going forwards with with maybe one of their key players going forwards but what did you guys feel from like a a moral uh an aspect guess a moral aspect in terms of how we dealt with the electro situation um Sean, i'll go to you yeah um I, I i didn't have any problem with it i can't lie to you i mean from from the out from the outside it looked like we were um we tried to negotiate. You saw rumours of Guendouzi. You saw rumours of Lacazette. Um, you saw rumours of trying to include Torreira in the deal and Atletico. They didn't really want to play ball at all, um, to be fair. And obviously, you saw all summer, well, for the last six weeks, basically, we were trying to juggle both our and party. So it looked, as as Clive alluded to, that we were trying to negotiate for our um, get a good fee in instalments. Um, and then we also tried the, the similar with Atletico, but they were like, release clause or nothing can... Like, like it, you don't need to negotiate with the club if it's a release clause. You just put the money down and bam, you got the player. And um, from all the stuff we've heard, Party always wanted to join Arsenal. If you, if you read the Athletic articles today, he's been um, following Arsenal since 2018. Um, in Ghana, apparently, he's, he's a big Arsenal fan as well. So I I can't lie. I, I don't really okay. care that okay. much. No. So... Um, and they We've were playing a, silly buggers over yeah, the Torreira yeah, thing as well. Yeah, no, exactly. And from, the, from the negotiations, they looked like they were being really difficult with Torreira. So sometimes you have to screw you. Like, do you know what I mean? So you could have negotiated with us during the summer. You didn't want to negotiate. Cool. Um, deadline day, activate his release clause. Cool. You've got no time to react. And because they were linked with Marco Rocca all summer, yeah. like he was going to join them. Um, got Bayern. Like, <laughs> I'm not waiting about, I'm going to go to Bayern Munich. Yeah. Uh, so they're left with nothing now and screw them. So, and, yeah. and personally, I quite like pissing off Simeone as well. Yeah. I think he's a bit of a twat. So um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't mind that per se. Let's, let's kind of move on then to, um, I guess we can stick with uh, Partey, but just more in terms of what this means for the team going forward. So I guess Sheffield United, we, we, we saw something a bit different happen. Um, obviously moving to a more um, defined four at the back, I would say. Um, I still feel like the three, four, three and the four, three, three are quite, you know, interchangeable. They look quite similar at times, you know, you know, where we have Tierney as a left centre back and half the time he's playing as a left back. It, You know, these kind of formations, it's, it's just what happens on the pitch really, isn't it? That's what we're we're looking at. Um, But we saw something different where, you know, we went with a Louise Gabriel um, uh, back two and um, Xhaka didn't, start the game and we had an El Neni, Sabeos and who was the first centre midfielder? Saka was it? Yeah. Saka, uh, Saka centre midfielder. Um, how, how do you, do you guys see us going um, forward more with this 4-3-3 type of formation um, uh, now that we have Sam Partey? I'll, I'll start with you Clive. Oh, I better be good now. <laughs> um, I think um, yeah, I, I thought this. We never got a chance to talk about this game on on the Arsenal Vision too deeply because we got too involved in the Saka uh, in the party <laughs> conversation, um, which has gone pretty viral today. Funny enough, <laughs> and I've, so, seen, uh, I've seen some of the comments. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. It's it interesting. is, and um, and so 
I thought this game, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a nut for football, right? And I thought, it's, I even thought the first half was exciting, right? So, so like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're the only person. Trust me, I, I see some things sometimes in football that not many people see. So, um, so I was sitting there thinking, I kept looking at El Nini. Oh my god, this is great! Look what he's doing. I thought, is he playing right back? Is he? Where's he going? And then I started thinking about what he was doing. And you look at the players that he's playing near. So he's playing near David Louise. So we all know David Louise in wide spaces does crazy things, right? He starts grabbing people, stuff like that. We need to put a comfort blanket around him. So so only perform that role, right? So I'm thinking, okay, you're there right centre half for him. So we, we flip into a three of the building up play there. And as soon as we build up play and we're comfortable possession, he steps into midfield and he pushes up. And what that does, again, cause and effect, that takes Bellerin 20 yards up the pitch. So Bellerin, everyone's like, oh, Bellerin, what a great game he had. I'm thinking, well, you're not a bad player, mate. I'd like you to have a bit more weight on your bones. But actually, away from our box, yeah, away from our box, you're really quite progressive. You travel, you can get the ball into the last third. You're a front foot player. So now El Nini has come in. He's made Louise comfortable and he's made Bellerin play a game he wants to play. And this is what I love about football. You, When you're seeing or when you're a coach, what your the definition of a coach is to maximise someone's potential on the pitch, basically. So by having that one player that we didn't really rate, let's be honest, we thought he'd all right, bit square, has now got two players feeling more comfortable. Right? So Bellerin ends up having two assists, we win the game. I find that really interesting, the fact that we've had a bit of a right-sided game and a left-sided game rather than the low overload on the left-hand side. So when we think about the art of the possible again, so just flip Thomas Party into that right-sided role and think about what he can do as he strides out from the back. And you see the potential of what we saw. And that, to me got me excited even in the first half guys I don't care what you guys say <laughs> <laughs> we, we were doing the discord live for the game actually and um, I was on with uh, I think Dan was I with you no, no, I, 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 I can't I, remember who I was on the discord live was but I was so bored I ended up talking about episodes of the Sopranos and the pa- and power and Breaking Bad and stuff like that <laughs> we were just talking about everything but the game but it's interesting that you talk about this right-sided um centre midfield position Clive because um, I think there's obviously a, a lot of debate going on pre-signing parties where party is actually best suited to play he he spoke in the, um, well he didn't speak in the article uh, today but there is an athletic article today I think posted by Gunner blog and, they, mm. and I think there's a bit in there where he's talking about his favoured position and you know he, he, he talks about okay. how he, he would like to be in the part of the double pivot with Xhaka and yeah. how he's a very um, he's a he's a big admirer of Xhaka's ability, and it's yeah. it's quite interesting that you say that you see his position in the right at a four three three, or because some people have even suggested should he be the lone holding man, yeah. and you know we go we go with uh, you know maybe Saka in midfield and Sabayos in midfield. So it's interesting to see that you 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 think he should be on the right side. Yeah, I, I. So when I meant right side, I meant right the double double pivot, really. Okay. Like a, because you know. So that would be partners with Xhaka then. Yeah, or Sabias okay. really. Awesome. I think okay. Sabias is better on the left hand side of a double okay. pivot. Normally, so I think you can see the pitch better on his right hand. You know, you can see the right side of the pitch. You see what I mean? I think he finds it a bit narrow and restrictive on the right hand side. Whereas Party took a lot of his clips. He can go 
into out to the right hand side. He can free up that side. He can switch both sides. I think it's a natural. I think it's a natural position for him on the right side. I think everyone goes. We're going to play like a four-three-three, and I'm not so sure. Sometimes a coach tells you who they are by the first thing that they do. And the first game Arteta played, he played a four-two-three-one, right? And and then he, he stuck Shaka in the left back type role. You know, we built up play that way. You know, so and I think he wants to get back to a double pivot and. Most important thing is just to have flexibility, right? So when you start seeing players like Tierney and Saka and Maitland-Niles and, and Shaka up to a point, and we saw what Elneny did, just think of football now as, 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 as a grid of zones. And when they're in these different zones, what can they do? Do they look ugly when they move 15 yards to the left? Or do they, are they still effective? And some of these players that we're starting to like are showing us like Maitland-Niles, for example, he's showing us he can play in a lot of zones. Saka's showing us he can play in a lot of zones. And when you have a coach like this guy, who's, who's, who's challenging people to be more effective in more areas of the pitch, you then look at the party signing and say, well, actually, he's played centre-back, he's played right-back, he's played number 10 for Ghana, he's played in a single pivot, or he, he always plays a double pivot, I shouldn't say that, he plays a double pivot, but you look at a lot of his clips, he's at the base of the team, yeah. driving the car on his own, do you see what I mean? And I look at him and go, well, let's see what you do. I don't really mind. Do you see what I mean? Because he can do it. And I think I think you said earlier, Dan, that he can do a lot of things. I think he's just an all-rounder. And I think it's up to us now to utilise him and partner him and implement him into our team. And I think right centre mid in a double pivot is where he's going to end up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think I I think I, I agree. I quite like him in that role. I I do feel like him being that base base guy. It would be quite limiting for him. Um, and you know he is this all action footballer, and it would be quite interesting to see about the pitch because I was surprised to see he scored so many goals for Ghana. But then when I looked back at some of the videos of him, he's got an out an out really really good long shot on him you know he's got a really and, and we're not talking jacker long shot it's like one in 30 that hits the target Partey can really let it loose from there and you know he's got a gr- good range of passing as well um Sean where do you where do you see um Partey fitting in in this side and what do you see as the long t- what do you what do you think it now is the long-term future for Arteta yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting Clive says that because we all have sort of our biases and um, even me, I was just thinking, oh, I would like to see um, party holding. But at the same time, as to, to Clive's point, it, it would be if you had party as a six, like he wouldn't be able to, he'd have to be quite positionally sound in that um, zone. So he wouldn't be able to get forward or use his dribbling ability as much. So it kind of does make sense to have him in a double pivot where he can defend, he can get forward and he can just do a lot. Like, obviously, you don't want to compare to Vieira, but in terms of how Patrick was as a player, he just did a lot and party can do a lot. So it would, it, it does seem like you, you, you wouldn't really want to limit him by having him as a six. And if you look back, I think, um, yeah, as Clive's point again, when Arteta first came in, we talked about, you know, those five attacking lanes up the pitch as well. Um, so you had, when Saka was playing left back, he was nominally, nominally a, a left winger and you had Aubameyang tucked in and then you had Lacazette and then you had Ozil in the right half space and you had Pepe forward. So if it looks like we might start building up similarly, so if Xhaka or Ceballos would play in that sort of deeper left half space, you'd have party deeper, sorry, deeper left and then um, party deeper right. And then you'd probably freestyle in terms of what you would do from there. But 
from there, you give yourself a stronger base and a stronger platform to build from. I, I don't really care, to be honest, because he's a fantastic player and he can pretty much mm-hmm. do whatever. But um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think, I think Arteta is probably going to line him up with Ivy Jacaros and Miles. That, that is kind of my thinking, yeah. Mm. Dan, uh, final thoughts on that on that subject? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with what um, everyone said um, so far. Um, one thing I would say um, that I thought was quite exciting from the Sheffield United game, um, for both our goals, really, is something that I don't think we've seen um, for the entire time that Pepe's been at the club, right? Number one for the first goal, I think we got a lot of bodies for, for once into that uh, top right bit of the pitch where Pepe plays. Uh, to combine with him and you saw that the goal came from that and I don't think we scored a goal like that for a long time at Arsenal those are the sort of goals that you used to see under Wenger where the players got quite close together um, played lots of runs uh, played short passes and made lots of runs off the ball Um, and I was quite excited to see that because I feel like for the majority of the time that Pepe's been at the club he has been the one that's you know been asked to hold width um, out wide and he's never really had many players to combine with in that space. Because So I feel a lot of people, a lot of people have classified Pepe as he needs um, a lot of open space um, to, to operate and he's really good on the counter. Um, and I don't want to dispute that because I think those things are true about him. But I also feel like he's able to combine in those tight, tight spaces with players. And we've really not really given him the opportunity to actually do that at any point um, in his career. Um, at Arsenal um, and then obviously the second goal um, the, the the bit that I liked is that someone finally played the ball in behind to Pepe who I think has I put a tweet out uh, that got a few likes he's been he's been making that run I think all season every time he's come onto the pitch but every time you know whether it's a Willock whether it's a, a Sabayos whether it's a Bellerin whether it's a Elneny no one plays that ball in behind to him and then you could see him he gets frustrated and I think even after he scored the goal he was still calling for it out in that in that uh, right-hand channel and they weren't passing it and you can see him throwing his arms up and this, that and the other. So I feel like with Partey, you might get that ball played in quite a few a few more times, you know, just to get Pepe in behind and in between, you know, the, the width of the box in, in positions to yeah. shoot. So so, 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 so I think, so I, just, I just think for both those goals, I, I saw us doing something to try and get the best out of Pepe potentially and that really excites me, I think. Yes, yeah, so, so, sorry, Dan. I was just going to say, on, on in terms of that goal, there was a, someone put a video. He scored a mirror image goal of that for Lil when he was there as well, where he pretty much scored from that sort of same position where someone's played him in behind. And you, you know, we've often spoken about um, Pepe doesn't want to be out on the wing. He wants to play more as an inside forward. He wants to be a lot closer to goal. He wants to because I was quite happy because, like you said, he, he scored a lot of those type of goals where he was running in behind at Lil. And we've, we've not really seen that sort of goal. We scored a lot of good, some decent goals for Arsenal so far, but none where, you know, he's just, someone's quickly released him in behind. And like you saw, once he was released in behind, that Sheffield United guy wasn't catching up with him. Do you know what I mean? So, and and he uh, he finished with a really good short backlift as well. So, yeah, it, w- it would, hopefully, um, we could see some sort of partnership developing maybe between him and Party down and Bellerin or Ainsley Maitland-Niles, whoever's playing right back as well, down that right-hand side as well. So it's just about mirroring what's what's happening down the left and making us more um, dynamic and threatening as a whole. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. 
The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sometimes saving money takes work. Like when you have to walk an extra block for that coffee deal. Or battle pop-up ads to get online coupon codes. But when you switch to Xfinity Mobile, saving money is easy peasy. You'll save up to $400 a year on your wireless bill. And you can even get $250 off when you purchase an eligible smartphone now through January 4th. So you can do the same thing you always do. Just with more money in your pocket. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Wireless savings compares to averages of top providers. Xfinity internet required. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've been Pepe's biggest fan. Okay, I don't think you guys are going to accept me back in the club at this point. All right, I'm not. But I'm not. I'm not asking for entry. All right, I'm not asking for entry. All right, (laughs) but what I have been saying for the last few weeks, I think we saw that against um, Sheffield United was we've seen Oba score that goal where we managed to get him into some isolated space and get him running at defenders. Now. That's what Pepe's good at for all his flaws. And he does have flaws. Um, I'm sorry, guys. He does have flaws. <laughs> um, he, he That's what he's good at. And it's very interesting that we've now, in, in that game, we moved Ober up front and we got someone to kind of like hold, we got Saka, I think it was, on the left to hold the width from the left, which then opens up the pitch a bit for Pepe. He's not as, he doesn't, he, it's not, he's not pushed out, wide he's got those central areas to occupy and and to operate in so I found that quite interesting I think that's going to be something that we're going to look to do more and if we want to get the most out of Pepe I feel like we we do need someone to hold that whip on the left and give him the, that space to operate in the right hand side and also it means putting Ober up front which I'm a big fan of doing myself personally I think if you've got a striker who's going to score 30 goals a season, you probably need to get him closer to the box, which we don't do enough. Oba doesn't take enough shots. Oba does not take enough shots. And it must be frustrating for him because we need to get that player closer to goal so he can score more goals. And similarly, with Pepe as well, we need to get him closer to goal as well. So um, what do you guys think about uh, potentially moving Aubameyang up front and just getting rid of this Lacazette turkey? (laughs) Uh, Dan, I'll start with you since you're off mute. Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been screaming for it um, for a while um, now, just because I feel like people have got a, this this sort of, I, I don't know, like they've got this Firmino role in their heads, right, when they see a number nine now, where they need to play with their back-to-goal link players, this, that and the other. But I always feel like this this Premier League has got examples of lots of different strikers that play that number nine role in a different way. Like Danny Ings plays it differently to... Uh, someone like Olivier Giroud, right? And Aubameyang has got his own way of playing number nine as well. And I feel like when you've got a player of his calibre, you need to play to his strengths and ensure that you're getting the the best you can out of him. Because I think the reason why he's playing out on the left is because we spent £50 million on a striker in in Alexandre Lacazette. And I don't think he can really sit on the bench for for that many games. Um, But... uh, We've now got a manager that's come in. He said everything's a meritocracy, this, that, and the other. So I think if you were to be benched, there would be less complaints, I think, around, especially given the form of Lacazette um, in sort of the past 12 to 18 months as well. And I also feel like the link-up that Lacazette and, you know, some of the pressing that Nketiah might give you, I'm not necessarily sure it's worth then losing the additional creator that you could have 
um, in playing someone out on the left because we know that Aubameyang's not that good on the ball, etc. So I feel like you lose something a little bit from what you could potentially have there on the left if you're playing him there and um, Lacazette or Nketiah um, through the middle. So for me personally, I've, I've always been an advocate of, of Aubameyang um, Aubameyang through the middle like he doesn't need to be you know playing with his back to goal getting smashed by centre-backs you know he's he's a smart guy um, he's he's got great movement so you know he will find his space um, in, in the box if you play him in the middle Clive are, are you a proponent for, for moving Ober up, up, up top? I haven't always been but I am now um, I think you have to look at sometimes and look at the opposition and say where would they want him to play and if they can have him out on the left hand side away from goal, they're going to prefer that, aren't they? And I do recognise that there's not a lot of space in central areas, but I think Aubameyang's superpower is his ability to arrive into space and his ability to travel. And so I don't mind. I think, again, I said this the other day on one of the podcasts that I've done, I said, like, when you see balance, it's almost like you look out your windows, right? And your windows... They're dirty, the window cleaner comes. You don't know how they're dirty they are until the window cleaner comes. You think, okay, that's, they're clean. I didn't realise they were that bad. Do you know what I mean? And then um, when you see balance on the pitch, it just hits you. And in that Sheffield United game, when we now went into the side and, and sack on the left, the Bamiang up front and Pepe started to move, double pivoting behind, he went, hold on a minute, this feels quite good. You know, and, and we all felt it, right? You don't need to be a super podcast analyst to see this. In fact... The most, you know, when we when you see balance, when you see it, it's just there, right? And um, suddenly you've got another scorer coming off the side. I know Saka's not really a super scorer, but he scored in this game. And you've got a setter of playing William, just connecting, roaming around on a little arc, left to right, just popping it, connecting, turning around nice and secure. Got, you know, you've got two strong centre mids behind, just driving the play covering spaces and you think I feel a fullback's punching getting Tierney putting nine crosses in this game because he feels secure because the double pivots there and then you think well actually this has got to be good for the team because we're now if you want to develop as a, as a team we need to move not be so deep lying we need to start playing other people's halves to do that we need different skills you know we need people that can look after the ball create new passing angles create new problems and not just have the pattern play, which you've seen. And so it's the next phase for the team. And the me, Aubameyang, has to be there. And it's not a critique of Lacazette, who I like. But there's, when I look at him, I just see upgrade. I just see upgrade opportunity. I just see, okay, the gap between him and Eddie now isn't that big anymore, based on what they're providing. And I just see upgrade opportunity. Two years ago, his contract, I think January or... Next summer he goes with one year to go, and you know, and we and we go again, and we probably look at a an awal to come off the left hand side, right? And you develop Saka in the ten, you know, over the next years and share that role with William, and suddenly you got a while coming off the left hand side, or a player like that, you know, coming left hand side, and you just use um, Eddie and and the Bamiyang as your centre forward, and you got Martelli coming in to to share that role as well. And so there's some there's some there's a strategy developing, you know, and um, I'm not sure what it's going to be. I don't think we're going to be a a stick on system team every single week, but I don't think Aubameyang signed that contract to be tracking fullbacks to the corner flag. That's for sure. As a 33 year old, he signed that contract because he knew who was coming. 
he knew where he's going to play. And I, I think he's just a smart use of his legs as he as he ages and to protect our asset value, right? So I look forward to it. The time is now, particularly away from home against big teams. That's what we want to see for me. And um, I look forward to it. Perfect. Um, Sean, any last comments before we move on to some listeners' questions uh, to wrap things up? No, no, no. For full house, I kind, of, I kind of agree with the guys. Like I said, Aubameyang's a fantastic athlete, but at the end of the day, he's 31 years old um, and you're going to kill him quicker by just leaving him out on the left wing so I think we need to protect that and and for me yeah, it'd be an opportunity to get another ball handler in the team because I, I thought the game pretty much hinged on on when Pepe came on at the weekend and all of a sudden you found Saka and William in half spaces and you saw a lot more combinations in and around the final third yeah. so um, in between William, Saka, Pepe behind Aubameyang I think that's a nice balance um, and then obviously if you've got the the base behind them um, like um, party partner in Jack or Ceballos, I just think as, as Clive says, it, it's it's well balanced. So only Ceballos, um, please, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 if if we are um, going to be going, obviously we didn't get the creative midfielder, but if we are going to be heading to like if we want to challenge for the top four, at the end of the day, we need to create more chances. So we need to get more bodies forward. We need to get more people connecting, playing off each other. Um, so I, I did kind of like what I saw with the Saka, William, Pepe um, behind Aubameyang. Um, and especially at home, um, we we definitely need that. I I, I there, there's for me there's I would I don't really think there's the need for the, for the third centre back, um, especially if the team's not showing any sort of ambition to try and win the game as well. So because we kind of especially in that second half, we had Sheffield United pinned back once we made that Pepe change and stuff as well, and it was kind of like oh, this is this looks good, do you know what I mean? So this this looks decent. Um, where string where where we weren't combining as much in the first half and everyone looked a bit isolated everyone was a lot more joined up together in, in the second half as well so and I know um, Arteta is quite big on the pattern play as well but I think there needs to be a balance between that and and, and getting allowing a bit of freedom so these guys can link up in the final third as well so you, you just want to because you don't want to become too predictable you want to have that layer of unpredictability as well so and I, and I thought um, having William and Saka in those half spaces and um, Pepe making runs behind definitely made it. Um, it gave Sheffield United a thing or two to think about. So, yeah, it's something I'd like to see, definitely. Perfect. Um, okay, I'll take some listeners' questions from some of the patrons first. Um, so this is quite an interesting one because I think we all can sit here and say, you know, I think we can all admit that we would have probably preferred another signing to add to our Arsenal with someone more offensive minded, someone, you know, an our alternative. I think we can all say that. But um Sierra 2021, he asks, um, is anyone taking Ben Rama or another championship player? Clive, uh, you're off mute, so I'll go to you first. Yeah, um I've seen him play. I I know actually know one of the Norwich players and um so I watched him in the championship. And when he played in the championship they didn't win when he didn't play, you know, and they got promoted. And I thought he'd really kill it in the um, Premier League. But I know his numbers look good. I think the stats guys like him a lot. I'm just not quite sure how good he is. Right, So I would change my mind if he signed. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm yeah. not sure quite how good he is. And I, I'm, I'm generally just not sure. Mm. I think... Um, I've always felt we could not say make do, but we we've, we've got players that are developing in those higher up areas, and I just felt we needed someone at the back of the the car to really push it forward. And um, I don't think we need to jump to anything like that. I think I th- I'm, I'm I, I like the idea of a while. 
but then again, I like the idea of lots of players that <laughs> that, <laughs> that other people think I'm stupid about, you know. So, well, I was calling know. for Thomas Lamar as a loan signing. No, <laughs> no I, I always felt that um, someone like Wilfred Zahar, if he played for Arsenal, mm. would be brilliant for Arsenal. You know, I'm not saying he's brilliant every week, but I think he'd be brilliant for Arsenal. And I think he would just play out of his skin, right? So, and I always liked the idea of that player, and I always liked the idea of having those types of players either side of a centre forward, and you create a front four diamond. You know, so I, I, I like, but lots of people say, "Oh, Clive, he's too old. He's, he's done it. He doesn't do it." I like it, and I don't really think we're going to get him, but I just like it. You know, so I like him. I'm going to lose all your podcast views now, but uh, no, no, but no. Like, um, I think I think a lot of people would agree with you, Clive. To be honest, yeah. But you know, another player I like again. I like I like sort of broken souls sometimes. You know, I like to f- see if they can be fixed. You know, I look at our centre backs. We've got eight centre backs, right? And they're all like they're all pretty average. But there's a centre back that I think would suit us. I think it's John Stones. Oh no, right? Clive, you lost. I was going to be like, Clive, I was going to say, I was going to say, don't, don't say it, John Stones. Honestly, you know the reason why I say it because he, he's a broken soul, right? He's a broken soul. And when I think Clive like, would like Anton. You know, I think Anton yeah. would agree with that one. Yeah, sorry. I, I just think of how we're playing at the moment. Think of, think about how we're building. Think about how that play on that right centre back needs to be needs to be really comfortable and drop into space so we can create depth. Right, think about it. we create depth in our team front to back. We may not always do that, but I've always liked him. And people always look at players and think, oh, they're they're um they're dead, you know, they're not really they're they're finished, they're finished. I think no. Remember when this guy could play, he just needs to be in the right environment, he can be fixed, right? So it's just a matter of giving him the right team. Right. So I like a player like that. But then people say, Well, it's the same with David Louise. Well, you know, the same sort of ricking him and all the rest of it. But if you said to me we we're going to sell Mustafi, Socrates, and Chambers, and Louise comes to the end of his contract, and we buy John Stones with the money, I would take that. You know, so things like that is how I think because again, flexibility, playing in different zones in the pitch, the ability to carry, the ability to add depth and comfort in the ball and deep near near our goal. That's what we're doing, right? So. So things like that, I look at things a bit weirdly. I'm not saying we should buy him. I'm not saying we should buy Zahar. I'm saying to you, when you're looking at how we're developing, it's those types that I, I quite like. Fair points. Fair points. Sorry, Luke, Luke, can Not I just jumping. quickly ask Clive this? Because we have, um, so Clive, we had this conversation in our group chat. In fact, it's been going on for like the last week or 10 days yeah, I... or so. It, it, I think you know what's coming. It's around... Um, the lack of use of, of Saliba. So, so do you, what are, okay. I'd be interested to know your thoughts around that because a lot of people in, the, in our group chat are quite upset about that and, and, and they're wondering why he's not being used even in say cup, like he didn't play in any of the, the League Cup games so far. They're wondering obviously whether he's going to be utilised in um, the Europa because obviously he's been linked with moves away as well. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting to know your thoughts on that. Well, basically, I think, I think something's happened, an event Something's happened. I'll tell you what the indicator is, right? So Holding was going on loan to Newcastle. All agree? Yeah. And then suddenly it stopped. So Holding is basically our nominal right centre-back. And it stopped. The others are injured. So that tells you that something happened that they saw in Saliba in that period of time that said, he's not ready. Now, whether that's football or something emotional or personal, we can only speculate. We're not sure. Um, is it a worry? Yeah, it's a worry. But I'm pleased that the club are not forcing 
a player to come in and they're thinking about his well-being rather than what we saw with a a young Jack Wilshire, for example, you know, the, who I felt we mismanaged. We didn't read his injuries. We didn't look after his recovery from injuries. We allowed him to spend too much time pushing the leg weights, right? We took away his mobility. We, we didn't look after him. We overplayed him when he was young and he should have been resting. And he's 28 now with no club, right? And that's what happens when you get it wrong, you know? And um, so I'm prepared to wait, even though I'd love to see him play. I've got this picture in my mind of how he's going to play. I'm sure you guys do. But I'm prepared to wait for it, right? And, and trust the experts. Yeah, I think I think the, the difficult thing is with the Saliba situation is, is if it is footballing, and I don't want to comment on his personal life or anything like that. I don't think that's our place to to say like and and to speculate really what's going on. But um, but I understand that there are some personal issues there that potentially could be a reason. But if it is solely football reasoning, the reason I have an issue with it is because we are watching Holding play every week, and I'm not too sure anyone could sit there and convince me that no matter how unready Saliba is for Premier League football that he is less ready than Rob Holding is. And um, I know Rob, Hel- Rob Holding's got Premier League experience and all of that, but he is just not a good footballer. He is not a good defender. He is not a top six defender. Arguably, he might not even be a Premier League defender, in my opinion. And that's just my opinion, right? I don't, I'm, I don't, I don't rate Rob Holding in, in any high regard whatsoever. So if it's a footballing reason, I've got an issue. And now we're seeing these links to championship clubs. He didn't go back on loan to France. If he went back on loan to France, maybe you could make an argument for maybe, you know, okay, there is some personal issues there and maybe, mm. maybe a bit homesick or whatever. But the fact that he's still here and we're talking about championship loans, it worries me even more. Yeah. I'm thinking, what, what? I don't really know what this player has to prove to, to, to be going to the championship and playing. I don't, I know he hasn't played much senior football, but I just don't see how he, how he could be exiled from the team and, and Rob Holding's getting starts every game. I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And um, as you said, we, we, we just don't know, do we? We, we don't know. We don't. we don't know the reasons. And he is 19, barely any 19 year old start at centre-back in the Premier League in general, even senior football in general, actually. Senior football, 19 year olds, don't play centre back for most for most clubs in professional football. Period. So um, maybe we could be looking too much into it, but you know I, I've watched quite a lot of Saliba, and every time I look at him, he looks unbelievable, an outrageous talent. And I think it's going to be painful to see his centre back partner come in, Wesley Fofana, come in at Leicester and play twenty games this season. Because I feel like why can't Saliba do that? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, I, I understand. I understand your 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 thoughts, Clive, and I do think it's important to manage a player well. But I just, if it is footballing reasons, I'm side eyeing a bit. You know, remember that Leicester centre back, um, the one we nearly got went for. That's it. Thank you. I was struggling with that. Thank you. Read my mind. And um, remember when he first came in, we were after. Remember Didn't he play. came in. He mm. was stuck in the background for a year, wasn't he? It's funny you say that, Clive, because we had a discussion about this exact same point in a group chat the other day. And we actually pulled up articles of James Madison did a, an interview, actually. And they asked him, why didn't Siunchu play? And I think the manager at the time was Claude Puel, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And he spoke about how, you know, 
Siunchu's English was really, really poor and that he mm. couldn't grasp any any of any bits of English whatsoever. He was really, really struggling with it. And that's why he didn't play. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, just to add some context. Yeah, and when he did play, he didn't play that well. No. You know, he didn't play that well initially in the Carling Cup games, etc. And And then, of course, they... They, they put him in the background. They sell Harry Maguire for a king's ransom and they put him in, right? And you think, oh, dearie me, he's good, right? He's good. And so I suppose we have to allow that development. And as Arteta said, that transitional year didn't really happen last year. No. And sitting there with injuries, he's come back from the summer. He worked all for the summer. I saw the Milton Keynes game. You see that game? Yeah. You catch that? I didn't see a problem there, did you? No. I didn't see a problem. No. As he's just stomping down that right-hand side, I'm thinking, oh, man, yeah, people are in trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in trouble, yeah. yeah. he's driving out with the ball. Yeah, and I think that adds more credence to your timeline point, right? Because yeah. at that point, Saliba is in the team. Yeah, he is starting. this is I know why I think there's an event. There's yeah, been a, an event. There's something that's happened, that's, and we can only go on. The, I'm looking at Rob Holding, I'm thinking, okay, you, you've had your... They had a house for him in Newcastle. He, it was just about done. Had a house to move into and everything, so there was a quick change around, and so that's why I'm holding my judgment until we understand the full story. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so I've got a question here from oh, by the way, guys, uh, any of you guys taking Ben Rama for championship? The, the, the reason I'm asking for people who might think the transfer window is closed, and I'm going absolutely mental. No, I'm not. The, tra- the window to sign players from championship is still open, he just wouldn't be able to play in Europe. So, um, Sean, Dan, are you any either of you signing Ben Rama? So, so, so with, with me at the moment, um, I'm quite just big on just the, the top quality. Like, I like Ben Rama, but what what's rattling me is that no one's bought him like all summer yeah, like he's, weird, he's, 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 he's been there and no one's bit the bullet like and I, when I watched him I'm like this guy looks really really good but I, there must be concerns because no no one's chosen to bite um but yeah with me because Arteta's given us the structure now we have the structure now we just need improved quality like with party that is top top quality so I I don't want to with all due respect I don't want to buy sort of like any sort of budget um attacking midfielder like I want to buy the best version we we can buy like and that and that like might not be our but I just want to go for like the best like if if like for example Arteta said like our was his top target like that I I believe that do you know what I mean so I want to go for the best possible target we we can get so I don't want to just buy someone just for the sake of buying it if if he's not going to improve improve the team then I'd then I'd rather wait personally to say something guys actually. I thought you said Buendia, not Ben Rama. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's, like, well, uh, right, <laughs> that's okay, why I was okay, talking okay. about Norwich, right? Sorry, um, my fault. It might have uh, been... It's my bad, right? Um, you also got a dodgy accent. So, so have you? you. Yeah, but, yeah um... it must be my dodgy cockney accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, whereas, um, so have you, you got Rama, a different? You got a different opinion on Ben Rama? I, I, what I will say is, I watched the playoff games and I thought he got gassed real quickly. Right. I thought against okay when they really needed him, he disappeared, mate. He disappeared. Big that North, that's games. that North African trait that is that's uh, uh, the Ben Arthurs. He, he just couldn't find it, and I really wanted him to find it. Mm. Um, and he just couldn't find the energy and to to really take him over the line, and they deserve to go up. So, um, so yeah, that's my only judgment. I'm not sure that's a big enough sample size, but nice, pretty player. But we've had we've had quite a few of them, haven't we? I'm not. I don't think he's mm. top level. That's for me. Fair enough. Uh, Dan, what about you? Yeah, I think um, I, I do hear all the points um, about Ben Rama and, and Ben Buendia, to be honest. Um, mm. I think I think as long as it didn't stop you from getting your eventual top 
um, big target, then I'd be for it. Um, but if that's going to be your creative player for the foreseeable, then I wouldn't I wouldn't be for that. So like, if you could get them for fifteen million pound or something like that, as a, as a twelve month stopgap till you know Urzil and Mustafis and Socrates, whoever comes off the wage bill, you go out next year and you get your big target, then um, then I'd be for doing it just because I feel like if we get that top four this at the end of this year you you obviously you get that champions league money plus you get all of those free wages it's like a massive windfall that you could potentially have to you know go out and and do the lottery yeah to go out and do your allison and do your your van dyke signing kind of thing um similar to what liverpool did when they sold coutinho kind of so i i personally don't feel that we have enough right now to make top four when i see what the squads are um you know, in other parts of London and, and Manchester, that kind of thing, which is why I'd want to get that extra bit of oomph in the squad. Um, but uh, that is, you know, you can't guarantee anything. So if you are end up stuck with them, then, you know, that's the risk, isn't it, really? Sure. Um, all right. Let me just do a few more questions from the patrons then. So da, 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 da. Um, moving forward. OK, Marvino asks, moving forward, how does the panel feel the board will do in the future? The inexperience was laid bare to see this window, especially on outgoings and awa. Any disappointments with our with our outgo- outgoings? I mean, I I, I kind of turned a blank eye a blind eye to it because I was just sort of like, well, we got Partey in there, I don't really give a shit about selling. But the squad is so big, and we've got Genduzi out on loan. Apparently, we haven't bloody got any money for him. We got Torreira out on loan. We didn't get any money for him. It's it's. I know the market is tough, but we've have we had another bad year of getting rid of dead wood. It's a, it's a funny one to me because I, 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 I don't get why. So, you know, you see the deals where a player leaves um, and they don't want to take a pay cut. So then the other club just pays the difference or something like that. Um, I always see that in my head as a solution, potentially. You know, so if you've got someone like Kolasinac on 100 grand a week, you know Leverkusen want him, you know they're willing to pay a fee, but they don't want to pay the 100k well if they, only pay, they only want to pay 20 <laughs> yeah so it, but, <laughs> but then if if they if they only want to give them like 40 50 just pay the 60 and then you've got that fee in and you've got the wage bill reduced that kind of thing so i just feel like we didn't do enough of that potentially um especially now when you're not having to register players for the for the squad it just doesn't really make a lot of financial sense i think and, to still, me. and still trying to get like 15 million for mustafi on deadline days like, guys we've learned our lesson please please nobody wants mustafi you're not gonna get 15 million for him all right let's just lower it down a little bit all right let's let's lower the asking price down go go 50 percent right do it for seven million all right cut your losses because we still got him. We're still paying a bloody hundred grand a week. It's, it's, it's weird. But uh, Clive, what, what's your thoughts on the outgoing situation? Yeah, it's, it's market it's market pressure, isn't it? There is no market um, because what's happened around the world. There's no market in Spain to overpay. There's no market in Germany to overpay. They're too busy taking our young players off us and then send, sending us back to them for us to a hundred million pound. They're too busy doing that. They're scouring our academies for young talent that can't quite get in and seducing them over there. So they're not interested in our in our sort of uh, overpaid 28-year-olds, right? They're not they're not bothered. That's not that's not an efficient way of operating. So what we've developed is a we're the promised land in, in England. We're the promised land and everyone comes here for the money. Then you pay them that money. And then when you want to recoup something, 
you find it difficult to pass that, those numbers on. So it's the market and we are experts at overpaying people, aren't we? You, you always hear my Callum Chambers story, didn't you? If you listen to me, you know what I'm going to say. He's been here since 2013, the moment when Mane ran past him and twisted his legs off in that first game against the Emirates. Are you, are you, what was that, four years ago that was? Then sorry, mate. That was that was a P forty five moment, right? So why <laughs> why are we why is he still here? And so we got to get better at that, taking opportunities to sell our players at the right moment when we when we feel their ceiling is not going to take us to the promised land. So so we are where we are, and I think you guys read the same stuff as me. We got over six hundred and fifty grand a week wages coming off the wage bill this time next year. That's when I mean that's incredible numbers, right? Yeah. When that happens, then it opens the door to what we want to be. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the real rebuild. Thanks, uh, Clive. I I, I realise you've got a bounce at this time. I, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed your time on the podcast. I and, have, um, and uh, thank uh, thanks for asking me. Right, I, I don't do many other podcasts, right? But you asked me so nicely. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna give it. A, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go, right? And it's like um, well, I don't we do many others. It. We appreciate just like, it so I much. like what you're doing here and um, you know what you're talking about is really sensible stuff about football and that's what I'm all about so good luck guys really good really good thank you Clive uh, you Thanks, can follow Clive, Clive at Clive PAFC on Twitter I think I've got that right Clive yeah yeah people know who I am I yeah and you also make sure to give Ask Vision podcast a follow as well and that's where you can find most of Clive's work all cheers right, Clive man. thank you very much guys see you later thank you um, so yeah, let's just round up with some listeners' questions. Um, massive thanks again to Clive for for coming on the pod. I'm just gonna do a few more listeners' questions because we didn't manage to get through uh, all of them. Sh- Sean, are you good for time? Just one. I've got. I've got. Uh, all right. Cool. Yeah, so. No problem. Um, okay. Um, I'm trying to get a question about. Has no one asked for our bloody revised top four bloody predictions? I wanted. I wanted to get a question about whether we're going to make top four. All right, I'll make it up myself. I'm going to tweet in myself, right? LouBob91 asks, um, right, okay. Uh, <laughs> are, are Arsenal going to make top four this season with the signing of Partey? Dan, I'll go to you first. Nah, I don't think it's enough, personally. Um, I just feel like it would be a miracle, I think, personally, similar to last... I can't... I don't think you can expect all of the teams to perform as badly as they did last year. Um, so Spurs, I think... They, I think last year is more of a blip for them um, than any of the other teams. They're the, probably the most established top four team, um, pains me to say, outside of uh, Liverpool and Man City. And I think with someone like Mourinho at the helm, I think they actually have probably the third best squad um, as well. Um, so I back them to, to probably come third. Um, and then Chelsea, just with the amount they spent, I know Lampard is not the guy. But I just feel like they have a lot more goals um, and creativity in that team. So I back them to to make top four over us. I think we'll be there and thereabouts, maybe miss out on a few points. We won't be far off, but yeah. Sean, what about you, man? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with Dan. I, I, don't, I just don't think, unfortunately, compared to our rivals, I just don't think we have enough quality. And, it, and it's sad because I actually think compared to Chelsea and United and maybe even Tottenham, we have the best manager, but we just don't have the quality essentially at the end of the day. So we're really going to have to punch above our weight and hope like the others drop off to get it. But I, I think our best bet is going to be the Europa League. Sean, have you got a bounce off now? Yeah, yeah, I've got a head. Yeah. Right. Everyone follow Sean. What's your at at the moment? Uh, 
It's SVN Dombele. Yeah, you got you got to go about changing that, man. It's getting absolutely ridiculous at this. Hey, you got to be SV Partey now, man. Exactly. You got to do that for the culture. Otherwise, I'll take it. I'll I'll take it, mate. All right, I'll take it. I need to return to Twitter. All right, I'll change it tomorrow. All right, cool show. We'll do a couple more listeners' questions, Dan, between me and you. All right, because I feel like we've got so many, so I just want to try and get through them as much as possible. Femster eighty two. He asked, Meza Özil, do you expect his contract to be cancelled at some point during the season and do you ever see him playing for oh wow this is nuts do you ever see him playing for another club again or expect him to retire i didn't expect that i thought he was going to say do you expect him to play for arsenal again uh, no what- i reckon i reckon he'll i reckon he'll play another for another club definitely i think what you might see um because obviously his contract he's allowed to sign with other clubs i think from january right so i think what you might see is if you know, someone does ag- make that agreement, you might see an early termination um, in January with him being allowed to join that club um, six months early is what I reckon we'll, we'll probably see because I think he's, he's already been confirmed he's not been registered for the Europa League, mm. um, him and Socrates. So I don't expect him to last a full season um, at Arsenal. It's probably in his benefit as well to collect a lump sum from the club, really, um, rather than have to wait for, for the rest of that 18 million sp- spaced out <laughs> over yeah. over the course of 10, 10 yeah. months. So, you know, if get a nice lump sum of 16 million, I think most people would take that. So, yeah, I think he's I think he's done out here, man, honestly. And his, his parting gift is uh, paying for Gunnosaurus's wages, <laughs> isn't it? Oyezo's <laughs> PR team is elite. It is top, top notch PR stuff. I mean, Arsenal should probably you know what we should just keep Meza on and put him as part of the PR team because I think whoever's dealing with his PR we need to get him on board on, on our team as well because they are yeah. top, top quality but yeah I think I think I think it's very hard to see a, a route back for us or even I'd like to see him with I'd like to see him with the addition of Partey man like we're getting mm. we can manage to get players higher up the pitch but you know I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna stop talking about it because it doesn't even feel like he's an Arsenal player anymore he's just a very mm. expensive uh contractor he's not part of the organization anymore um uh i'll just do one more question then um adam underscore underscore mogal he asked do you think arsenal will go back in for awa in january seeing as though leon could not sell some of the players are in need of money or is january too soon i think i think um i think that if there's ever a time to do it it's january because i think come summer it's gonna be very tough for us Mm. Um, because I think the market's going to get back to normality. Clubs are going to have a bit more money. Um, I think if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it in January um, because I don't rate our chances come come the summer, especially if he has like another good season where, you know, he's putting up numbers and, you know, Real Madrid are already on high alert. You know, we've, mm. we've seen the rumours to other clubs. So I think if there's a time, it's January. If it's... It, if we don't get it done in January, then I think we just need to focus on whoever the hottest new prospect is out there come come the summer. Because I'm sure there will be someone. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think if Madrid want, um, you know, sort of Pogba and your uh, Camavingas and Pamacanas and stuff next year, maybe it's worth taking a punt on Odegaard or something like that to mm. see if they need, they need cash. But... Yeah, because it's, it's a weird one because I was thinking about our alternatives and there's, I don't really feel that there's that many in that sort of age profile um, out there that you think would be, you know, sort of 
certified hits basically because I think there was another one today that Fabrizio said uh, that Dominic's Sploslai Sabozla, right? yeah yeah don't I don't really know how to say his name but him and I, I, I'm I'm not too sure about him I, I think he's, he's still, yeah I think he's still very young and he's playing in Austria you know so mm. I, I, I think he needs he's definitely not club. as good as Owa definitely not as good as Owa yeah I, I think he needs a top five club before you can really judge him as well properly. Yeah, um, he, he's he, got he's got cheap release clause. I think twenty five mil. It is cheap, but the, the thing that I found out about Sabozla is people. It's again, it's one of those things where the stats were coming out. It's like yeah, an outrageous amount of assists. So I went and checked all of his assists last season. They were all from corners, all <laughs> of them from corners, barely anything from outside the box, man, and uh, uh, from open play. Sorry, and it's I get put off with things like that because if that's your if you, if that's your USP and all your assists are coming from corners, yeah, fine, fuck it. If he's a great set piece player, then maybe you know, yeah. But I, I wouldn't have Guilty someone Sigurdsson. in the team. Yeah, I would have. We're not Everton, you know. Like we we need someone a bit more rounded than that, you know. So I I went off of him a bit. After that, but I like I like some of his qualities though. But I think like, I think Sean said it in the pod. I think if we're going to sign someone, it has to be it can't be a stopgap. It has yeah. to be proper quality, you know. Um, and if we don't do that, then I'd rather just not sign someone that isn't good enough and be blocking the potential for someone else. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, Dan, we'll, we'll call it a day since it's just us two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, guys, thanks for joining us on the pod. Uh, we'll be back with some Patreon content sometime this week. Um, not too sure what it's going to be, but we'll, we'll dig up something for you guys. If you do want to become a Patreon, um, then you can follow the link in our bio. Um, you can join for as little as £3 a month, so I'm pretty sure you guys can, can do that. Um, but yeah, uh, Dan, thanks for joining me, and we'll be back sometime next week. Um, yeah. Big up everyone else. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, niggas. You know what? Make and get a time and come to party. Yup, 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 yup. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah. Yup, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh Yeah, yup, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh Yeah, yup, 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 uh-huh, Yeah, come on everybody, 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 everybody Come on everybody, everybody have to party Everybody have to party, everybody have to party I see, everybody have to party Everybody have to party. Everybody have to party. I see woke, woke, woke. I see woke, woke, woke. I see woke, woke, woke. Anytime I get to party, anyway I get to party, I always like everybody. Yeah, I see woke, woke, woke. I see woke, woke, woke. I'm, 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 I'm. I always like I'm dancing. I always like dancing Together with everybody Together with everybody Together with everybody Yeah I say whoa 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 I say whoa 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 I say whoa 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 Come on come on come on Yeah Come on Everybody have to party Yup 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 Uh huh uh huh Yeah Yup 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 Uh huh uh huh Yeah Yup, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah.
yup, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings and great gifts, low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Sports Social Podcast Network.